0: to be with you guys today. Welcome to those of you that are watching online. We are getting ready to start a new five-week series today uh, where we're calling Achieving Relational Sanity, right? And uh, so we're going to target, try to give you some additional uh, help to be able to deal with those difficult people that we have in our lives. And today, my uh, topic is, what about those button pushers, right? So that's what we're going to look at. You know, before I begin, though, let me uh, do what is my custom, which is to open in prayer and to ask the Holy Spirit just to uh, help us to be able to receive his word, right? So would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're present Lord, I thank you that every nook and cranny of this room is where you are, and I ask Holy Spirit that you would come, that you would empower these simple words, that you would take them and use them in the lives of of your children so that they might be able to overcome some of the obstacles that they face on their journey. Now, you are incredibly, incredibly kind and loving and generous, so come and be a part of all that we uh, talk about today. I thank you, Father, for the strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, so I am going to be talking about button pushers today. And what I'm referring to with that phrase, button pushers, are those people that just have a way of touching those buttons in your life that can just set you off, get you angry, right? I mean, you could be having a perfectly normal, great day, you know, sun is shining, flowers are blooming, birds are tweeting, right? And in walks. The button pusher, <clears throat> right, and so they can uh, they can know how to just push or say certain things, and all of a sudden we find ourselves angry, mad, frustrated, right, or hurt, and so these button pushers they're in each and every one of our lives, and so we need to understand uh, about them, right, and be able to uh, to deal with them, and I have some good news and some bad news about. But button pushers, but I'm going to let Stephen Covey kind of capsulize it for us. He's a great author. He says it this way, the gate of change can only be opened from the inside, right? So the bad news is we can't change our button pushers. Good news is we can change ourselves, we can disengage our buttons, right? So it's, it's good news <clears throat> that we can do this, and so we need to be able to be on our guard and to know that, uh, that anger in and of itself is not a sin, right? It's not wrong by itself. I mean, if you were to, I don't know, attack my, uh, my husband or my children or my grandchild, I would get mad, right? And I'd get, I'd get angry. Why? Because I love them dearly, right? So anger is not always, always wrong, you know? And, I, and I, to be honest with you, I get quite angry at some of the things I see in our society, right? I get angry when I see racism or sexism, right? Or when people are hungry, you know, and other people have so much, and some don 't have enough that bothers me, and it really bothers me to see people face a Christless eternity. It actually makes me mad down inside and angry uh, and, and it's because I care so very much and so anger in and of itself is not bad. God created us to have emotions, and that 's one of the emotions. But when we use it in an uncontrolled manner, it can it can really um, cause. Uh, destruction. So we need to be careful, right? We need to be able to understand that God wants us to have emotions, but he wants us to use them properly, right? And we see this here in this first scripture where it says, uh, when you get angry, do not sin. And so there's this notion that That we can get angry, but we have to do it in a way where we're not sinning, in a righteous way, a right way, an appropriate way, right? And so uh, what I want you to know is that anger, again, of itself is not bad, but it's what we do with it. The uncontrolled anger, the self-centered anger, that's the kind of stuff that uh, gets us in trouble right that uncontrolled anger and it harms other people so we have to be very closely guarded in those areas right and we can see here in proverbs 12:16 it says a fool is quick tempered right to lose your temper like that but a wise person stays calm when insults comes when they're insulted and so what we need to know here is that uh, that we are encouraged to be wise, right? Uh, to be wise to know that when somebody insults us, that we shouldn't have a you know a reaction where we push back against that, right? Uh, a force for a force there, right? When somebody comes in and they push our buttons. Now let me say this: What I've noticed about anger is that it's a learned response. Okay. In other words, we've learned it from our parents from TV, right, from our culture, and uh, even from video games. We learn it. And so a lot of times we'll engage in the wrong kind of anger, uncontrolled anger. And so what I want to give you hope is that because it's a learned behavior, we can unlearn it. And we can learn what God says. We can be transformed in, that, uh, in his image in relation to getting angry. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to cover two concepts that will help you here, okay? Important concepts. First one is I want you to understand your way and your mode of getting angry, Right? So I'm going to introduce just some popular ways that we get angry. And then I'm going to show you how they hook into um, being able to disarm your button system right? so that you don't have those anger outbursts. Because anger and pushing buttons, they go glove, hand in hand. And so we need to really tackle those things. All right, moving on. Let's look at this. Ways people express anger. Here it goes. The first one is lashing out. Lashing out. Now, these are all biblical. They're in the Bible, right? Lashing out is um, when this person is hit, you know that they're mad, right? They are just, they're explosive. They might cuss, yell, scream, throw things, and even hit, right? Uh, They're like what I call Mount Vesuvius, just eruption, right? No question that they are, uh, that they're angry, Right? And you can almost feel like some people that have this uh, feel like they're a walking time bomb, right? Just waiting to explode. And they have this uh, trigger that's just like right there and just can at any moment get angry. Now, some of the kinds of people that we see in our culture that are exhibiting these, right? We just saw uh, Will Smith, right? On the Oscars. That's it. That's the lashing out right there. We got it? Okay. But, you know, it wasn't his, and he was the first person. Matter of fact, the Bible, it talks about the very first, um, you know, lashing out that took place with Adam and Eve, right? It's with their two sons, Cain and Abel. You see, God accepted Abel's sacrifice because it was done in faith, but he didn't accept Cain's because it was done of his his own doing, and that made him mad. And watch what Cain's response is here he says this, all right, Cain became furious, right, and he scowled in anger, that's what that's saying, Cain suggested uh, to his brother, let's go out into the field, and while they were together there, watch this, Cain attacked, right, he lashed out, he attacked and killed his brother, right, and so what we see here is that Unrestrained, uncontrolled anger when it's vented with lashing out has devastating effects. So we need to be on the guard and be careful. And there's some folks that will take this kind of a leaning. I'm sure uh, Cain didn't expect to kill Abel, okay? It's just that uncontrolled anger starts to come out and consequences happens. Now, here you go. Uh, The second one we're going to look at here, ways to people express anger is holding it inside, is when they hold it inside, right? When they push down the feelings of anger, you know, push them really down, they don't really want to, uh, they don't explode, right? Uh, matter of fact, they clam up. They're very quiet, right? Uh, this is my, this one here is me, right? This is what I tend to do. I clam up. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's a denial. We push it down. We don't want to uh, admit that we're angry. We put the facade on for everybody, right? And a conversation might go something like this. Oh, honey, I see you're mad. I am not mad. No, I, I think you're mad. I told you I am not mad, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Because all pushed down, don't want to own it. It's almost like anger is in a crock pot, and it's stewing, right? And and simmering, and that's on a slow burn, right? And so it's important that, that you understand that this kind of... Um, pushing it down, this kind of expression of anger its not good for you. Because when you push it down, you know, and you you swallow real hard that anger, what happens is the body, the body keeps account of what's going on, doesn't it? Yep, your body wasn't designed to hold that anger. And because you don't have an appropriate way to release it, what happens is you push it down and all of a sudden you get sick, you have ulcers, right? You've got difficulties, you've got migraine headaches and all kinds of stuff that pop up. And it's the pressure. It's the pressure of holding that, you know, holding that anger in. Now, there is a biblical example of this, and it comes from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of the old prophets in the uh, Old Testament, right? The prophets in the Old Testament. And he was really angry with what was going on in the culture at the time, you know, what his uh, Jewish uh, colleagues were doing. And he started to seethe on that anger, and you can see it in his writings, especially in Jeremiah 25. It says this, This is Jeremiah. I stayed by myself. People like this like to pull to themselves. They don't want to be out there. They want to pull to themselves. And I was filled with anger. So stuffing, stuffing, stuffing those feelings, right? Now here's the result. Why do I keep on suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why don't they heal? And so there's a recognition now. The toll is taking its, uh, its place inside his body, and he sees that. Guys, when we push down our feelings, it's like, I don't know, swallowing poison, right? It really hurts your body, and you need to be aware of that. This is not a good way of of dealing with anger. All right, here's a third way becoming the martyr, <laughs> becoming the martyr. This is the person that has the pity parties, right? Woe is me. But they take all the things that happen and they, they, uh, they're passive, but they tend to look at themselves like they caused this problem, right? And so like the crazy maker, the button pusher comes in, pushes those buttons. And this kind of person goes, whoa, I must have deserved that what did I do? Right? And so they take the blame. They're the victim here. And so their mottos are things like, I have to, I've got to do this. You know, it should be here. I, I have to, and I ought to, and I must. And, and so that's what drives them, right? But there's a seething anger that's underneath all that. And this anger, they turn into, into themselves also, blame themselves, like I said, and being a victim. And you know, the number one, listen to this, because it's important. This is going to hit somebody. The number one thing that they struggle with is depression. Yep, depression. You know why? Because the anger is frozen inside of you. That's why. It gets frozen inside of you, and, and you don't see any way out, and you don't see any hope, and all of a sudden, you start to struggle, and you turn it inward, and you become depressed. So the anger is inside. Now, here's a biblical example of this one, and you're going to go, what? But it's, it has to do with the prodigal son right? But not the young son, the old son, right? So let me remind you of the story of the prodigal son. Is this great story where uh, that unfolds of God's love and mercy. The son, the younger son, there's a man who has two sons. The younger son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance, which is very disrespectful in that day, excuse me, in that day, in that culture. And so the father agrees to it. He takes the uh, inheritance. He goes to a foreign land. Of course, he wastes it all in wine, women, and fun, right? And then a famine comes in. He's left penniless, and he's almost starving. And then he remembers in his father's house, there is always uh, a place for him there. And so he knows he can't go back as a son, so he decides to go back as a servant, you know, to get some help because he's dying out here, right? Now, here's the beautiful thing. The father loved the son so much it was in so much grief that he was sitting on the porch watching. And so he saw when his son was coming up uh, out of the gate, coming to, towards him. And he's still a far place off, right? But the father gets up and runs to the son, right? And he embraces him, said, my son who's dead is now alive. He's come back. And so the father's overjoyed. And so the father decides to throw this big party to celebrate, right? So he's celebrating this. And while he's celebrating, now here you go, watch this. The older son comes back, right? And he hears the party, hears all the fun, and he decides that, that he's going to get angry because uh, his father is paying attention to the younger son, who after all is the great big screw-up, right? And so you see this dilemma starting to happen. Now watch him become the martyr here. But the older brother <clears throat> becomes angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in right, into the party here. And his father came out and began to plead with him, right? And so what we see is when we, we handle anger, like the older brother, through being a martyr, like, woe is me, nobody loves me, right? If I'm miserable, everybody else has got to be miserable and stuff. And so that's what we see here. Well, this is inappropriate also. It damages other people, Okay? It's not helpful, not at all, but a lot of people will handle their anger like this. Now, the last one I want to show you is ways uh, people express anger is becoming the manipulator. Becoming the manipulator, right? Yep, this is a person that has as their mantra, right? I don't get mad, I get even. <laughs> right? That's what their their mantra is. And of course, that's like reminiscent of all the movies and things that we see out there you know, I don't get mad, I get even, and so this person doesn't own their anger, right, but so it doesn't come out directly at you, it comes out indirectly, they try to sabotage what you're doing, right, they try to uh, kill you with a thousand little cuts, right, with what they say, and, and um, they just, yeah, they throw a lot of shade, don't they? They throw a lot of shade, which is they say stuff to you like a joke. I'm just joking. And if you were to ever call them on it, they'd be like, oh, man, girl, can you take a joke? Right? And stuff, because they don't want to own the anger. They'd rather try to focus in on letting you know they're angry by getting even with you. Right? So all these forms that I've been talking about, right? They make you crazy, but they are people that come into your life and they put in there your uh, your code that unlocks, and then you all of a sudden begin to just seethe in these different ways. And even this one here with the master manipulator, we see this happening in the time of Jesus. Look at this scripture here. The enemies, which by the way were the Pharisees, they were the religious ones, right? The enemies of Jesus were wild with rage. They were angry and began to plot his murder. And so again, it's that revenge, is it not? It's the revenge, and so we need to be very careful uh, with this particular one when we start to manipulate people or situations. Now, guys, I just showed you four biblical expressions of anger that we enter into often, and I told you which one was my preferred, but you know the realities? I could do all of them, like you, right? But we do have preferred ones, and so getting to know who we are, and I'm hoping as I'm talking you're going... That's me, right? Right? Because you can change yourself if you begin to recognize the behaviors that you're engaging in when you are, are confronted with something that makes you angry. So very important to understand this because without understanding that, you cannot do the second part of what I want to show you. And that's the biblical response to un, uh, to detach your buttons, right? So that's where we're going next. How to offset your button pushers. First thing and I'm going to suggest if it comes up, there you go, determine the cost of anger. I want you to determine the cost of your anger, right? So when something happens and you begin to to feel yourself getting amped up, right? I want you to stop a minute and I want you to compute what does that mean if you have uncontrolled anger? What is the cost of that uncontrolled anger if you engage in it, right? What's the price tag? You see, I often will go into a store, and I like all the stuff, and I think, oh, I'd like that. And I look at the price tag, and I go, oh, I do not like that, <laughs> right? And so it's the truth with your anger. What's the price tag when it comes to you? What is the price tag when it comes to you? And I want to encourage you <clears throat> at that time when you need self-control, when anger comes up, that you need, to, you need to know the cost and to help you, because I know you're like me. We deceive ourselves a lot. And we tend to downplay the cost, but really it's quite high and they're connected, right? They're connected. Now watch this with some of these Proverbs I brought to you today. Proverbs 29 says, an angry person causes trouble, right? We get ourselves in trouble here and a person with a quick temper sins a lot. And sins just means you miss the mark. You miss what God has for you here, right? And then in the next Proverbs 15 says, a hot temper causes arguments. You want quarrels and fights? Then you get uncontrolled anger, let that come out. And then next, people with hot tempers, right? Uncontrolled, that means uncontrolled anger, do foolish things. You do dumb things. You do destructive things, right? And so we need to know that the destruction happens. Now, I could keep, I could keep going on and on and on with the Proverbs that talk to us about uncontrolled anger that really the cost is so high, you need to understand that so that you can arm yourself, right? You know, as a pastor, I have seen a lot of things, but nothing destroys a relationship more than uncontrolled anger, okay? Uncontrolled anger, it hits it and just destroys families, and so I'm encouraging you today to make sure that you, you control your anger, that you stop and you count the cost. Are you going to lose people you love? Are you going to lose respect? You could lose your job. You could lose your health. And you could physically hurt somebody, which is you can never take that back, right? And so you need to be able to count the cost. Well, that's fine and dandy here, but how? By asking Holy Spirit to come and to help you. That's How? right? When we get saved, God gives us something called the Holy Spirit, which is his presence that resides inside of us. And so when you yoke yourself up, when you partner up with the Holy Spirit, you can ask him to help you because he will be radically honest with you about the cost of something, right? Right. He will be radically honest with you. So you need to not let your emotions lead, but ask the Holy Spirit to lead you at those times. Now, here goes the next thing we can do is how to offset your button pushers, is by looking past their words and into their pain. Looking past words and looking into pain. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He sure did. He sure did. You know, I want you to humanize the person that's pushing your buttons, that's driving you crazy, and all you want to do is just, right? Give them a good swift kick. But instead of doing that, what I want you to do is I want you to look at them and, and not just hear their words, but really look at them. And again, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to do this, right? To come in, let me have eyes, spiritual eyes, to see what's going on with this person. And so in that, when you ask him, right, to do that, he's going to help you. Because we know, listen, you know, you hear us often say, hurt people, what? hurt people, right? Unkind people have just never really had people be kind to them. Unlovable people are just people that need love and they don't have it, right? Because once you've experienced the love of God, you are gracious and kind. That's what our tendencies. When we really understand what God did for us, we want to do that for other people. And so we need to understand this, uh, this idea that God is a loving, kind God, and he wants us to really be able to see people he wants us to be able to see them, and everybody can have a bad day and, and do something uh, that's not characteristic of them. But I tell you, if there's a pattern, then you need to go see the Lord. Right? Spend time with Him. Again, the Holy Spirit is faithful to help us, and when He starts interpreting in the day, like He starts, I start with Him in the morning. It helps me all throughout the day. And when I see somebody that's cranky, <laughs> that's not very nice, and they're trying to push my buttons then I just go, oh, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this one? Help me to see really what's going on. I think that's why people, uh, they often will tease me when I look at them and go, oh, you can see my soul. Of course I cannot, (laughs) right? But what they're seeing and what they're sensing is I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom. Why? Because I know Jesus loves that person. Jesus died for them. And so I know he's concerned, and he can see my heart, and it's genuine. And when it's genuine, he gives you the inside track. Why? Because he wants them to be set free. Do you see that? And so we need to to get close to the Lord and hear his voice. This will be important, right? Here's a scripture here for us in Proverbs 19, it says, a man's wisdom gives him patience, right? Long-suffering. It is to his glory, in other words, to your credit when you do this, to overlook an offense. So again, the word is teaching us to overlook offenses and to actually begin to ask Holy Spirit to use you to help those button pushers in your life, right? And he will come, also, Jesus died on the cross, as I said, for people, so we need to be sensitive to that. And we need to do the lean into for people because God puts a high premium on them, right? In Romans 12, he says, Do not be overcome by evil, watch this, but overcome evil with good, right? And so, what I want you to see, this is the mantra of those of us that are children of the God Most High. This is what we are called to do, this is the behavior that we want to put into practice right? And so when somebody uh, does something to you to cause you to be angry and upset, you know, I I want you to, I want you just to push back and say, wait a minute, what's good here? Well, the good would be showing them love, would be showing them love, right? You know, there was this, uh, this poem that was written by Edwin Markham, and I liked it because it really, it really kind of put all this together for me anyway. I hope you can see it too. They drew a circle to shut me out, right? I've had people like this. (laughs) They drew a circle to shut me out. Heretic rebel, a thing to flaunt. But watch this. But love and I had the wit to win. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took them in. I like that. See, people can be haters. They can hate you. But you're going to decide not to hate them. That's what that is. It's a choice. It's a choice to love the unlovable. It really is. And again, we need to look past what the person is saying us to us and look at what pain that they're in and begin to walk and partner with the Holy Spirit to overcome that. All right, here's a third one. Third, how to offset your button pushers. I want you to think before reacting. It's a little bit like the first one, but there's a nuance here. Think before reacting. What I want you to do is I want you to start training yourself. I want you to start training yourself to push away from emotions, right? And then to engage in the thinking process. And here is only going to work if you've spent time in the Word of God and your mind is being transformed so you can start to think like God thinks, right? So you're going to push away from emotions, uh, you know, when they start coming at you. So instead of lashing out or stuffing it in or becoming a martyr, right, or trying to manipulate the situation, you're going to push away and you 're going to ask to remember what Christ would say in this situation. How does he want you to behave? In other words, the self-control that he wants you to have. so you 're going to think about these things uh, and these matters before you move on them, right? You want to control all the things that you can, and one of the easy things that you can control, right that you can hold back right is, is what you say also. Take a look at this here. A fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quite, uh, quietly holds it back. And so again, instead of just going right right for the juggler, I want to encourage you to to slow down and to think about what the word of God is saying. Right? To think about. It. Just give yourself a moment to deep breathe. Okay. Now, what does God say about this situation? And once you start doing that and not reacting, then you're going to begin to see that in that space is what I do. I say, God, why am I so angry? Why do I want to kill that person? <laughs> right? And here you go. Here's what I've noticed. When you take a moment and you start involving the Holy Spirit and you do that over and over again, he starts to really show you uh, what the root cause of your anger is. He opens your understanding to see why are you so angry, right? And so now this is the real gem of being able to, un, uh, to dis, you know, disconnect your buttons that people can push. And so you look at the root cause of why, what's made you so angry. And I tell you, it's in, usually in one of three paces. It's in you feel hurt, you feel frustrated, or you're afraid, And those are the things that that usually get us to be angry like that and want to have uncontrolled anger. And you know those three things? Let me tell you, they're usually yoked to a lie that you bought into in your life. And so if you allow the Holy Spirit to come in, listen, I'm speaking to people this this when you when you allow the holy spirit to come in he shows you what has happened why you're embracing that 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 verbiage why it hurts so deeply in your in your soul why you feel like there's no tomorrow there's a frustration right what you're afraid of what's going to happen and when these things come up the holy spirit shows you he shows you the lie that you brought into. And that way you can look at it and say, that's a lie. My father says this because you've put the word of God in your, in your mind. Do you see how powerful this is? You just stop. And you need to ask the Lord, come Holy Spirit and help me to understand this. And believe me, he'll be there for you. He loves you. You're important. Look at Proverbs 15 with me. It says, the gentle an- answer quiets anger but a harsh one stirs it up i had to throw this in before i i finished this one you see i don't think people realize the contagiousness of anger right that when you get angry your voice rises up you know and you start to yell right and you start to lose it and the other person does and so so this scripture here is saying hey let's stop it before it begins right it says that you are to quiet your anger is that for the other person's good Nah. Remember, we can't control them. You can only control yourself, right? But what happens when I get my voice just mm, quiet and I listen, you know what happens? It benefits me, (laughs) right? I'm not so anxious. I'm not so mad, right? And so the way we speak really has huge implications, and so we need to be able to watch what we say. Our tongue does have the, uh, the ability to have life and death, And so we need to watch what we say, but how we're saying things also, okay? Now, the last one I want to come over here and talk to you about, how to offset your button pusher, is to base your identity in Jesus. To base your identity in Jesus. Now, this is everything, by the way. This one here is the biggest one, okay? You base your identity in Jesus Christ. You have to intentionally push away from the culture, because you've been taught that since you were kids, right? And so you have to push away from, intentionally away from what the culture has said about you. You have to believe what Jesus Christ said about you, right? He says that you are very uh, worthy, that you are important to him, that he loves you unconditionally. It don't matter what you do, he just loves you. I mean, where in the world can you get something like that, Right? But Jesus says, I'll love you unconditionally. And he says that you have great value. Matter of fact, you have so much value, I'll get on the cross and die for your sins. You know, where you missed it and you messed up. I'm going to take the penalty for you because you're valuable to me. You're worth it to me. And so when we accept Christ as our Savior, this is how he sees us, right? This is where our identity comes from. It comes from what he thinks of us. That's where it should be placed. And if you try to place your identity anywhere else, you're going to be left wanting and insecure. You know, if you put it in your job or your looks, how smart you are, how likable people like you, all those things can go away. And people that are married, listen to this, you also cannot have your identity in your spouse. Yeah, you cannot have your identity in, in, in your spouse, right? Nor can you have it in your child. You can't. No, because those things undergo change, right? That's, whenever we put our identity in anything but Jesus Christ, it's like standing on, shifting sand, right? The sand comes out. You can't build a firm foundation like that. And so you need to place your identity firmly on God, on what Jesus Christ says about you. And the only way you know that is by spending time with him. Then you get to feel how loved and how much he cares about you all right? Now, listen, I know I was talking to some people. I know that, right? I know that you have a propensity to look for other sources of, of, of your importance, and you feel pretty dang insecure right now, right? And so use that insecurity to tell yourself, oh, that's because I don't know the love of Christ. I need to spend more time with him. Satan hates it when I tell the truth, right? But that's really going to help you to find freedom, and this will be important for you to be able to do that right? So, listen, look what happens when you base it on other people. The fear of human opinion uh, disables you. In other words, you cannot uh, function and be all God says you can be, and to fulfill the purpose that he has for you, if you are looking at human beings and their opinion of you. Watch this, he contrasted, but trusting in God protects you from that, <clears throat> That's my prayer for you that God would protect you from that, that you begin to understand who you are. This is so vitally important. You want to disengage the buttons that people can come in and just push in your life. It's not their fault, it's something in here. And God wants to talk to you. And He doesn't, I'm, I'm bearing down on this because I feel the Holy Spirit here. He wants you to, uh, to recognize that exists within yourself, right? It's not your environment, it's here. It's really what's in your heart. And I think I think if we could just grab hold of that, that as I had said with the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the phrase in the beginning, where the door can only be opened from the inside. If you will open the door from the inside, you can be set free, right? You can take the displaced anger that you felt and you can allow the Holy Spirit to come in and use it to bring healing and freedom to you but it is your choice. It's always been your choice. And so what I want to say is that every one of you in this room has a next step. You have a next step to go forward in your faith. Some of you, you've heard me talk about Jesus like he's my best friend. Well, he is, right? But he can be your best friend too. There's nothing special about me. There really isn't. But I radically love my Jesus. So here's the deal. You've heard about the name of Jesus up here, but you never believed him in your heart. You've never really stepped over and committed to to allowing his, the gift of salvation to come and to actually take it and say, hey, I want to know you, not from my head, but from my heart. I want to start following you. Well, in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to be bold, to raise your hand, tell me that's you. I'm not going to ask you to run forward or do anything like that, right? But what I'm going to do is give you an opportunity to let me know who's praying. And that's for you guys online too. Now here, listen to this. We baptized a young man because today is baptism uh, day, right? And this young man, I found out, he just came to our church for the first time today, right? But here's the deal. He watched online and he gave his life to Christ online. And then he came here because he heard about the baptism and he was baptized today, right? Yeah. So I don't... I I can honestly say I don't understand technology. I'm pretty disabled there, right? However, it's reaching. It's reaching people. And so we need to know that, uh, especially if you're here and you're unsure, that today is the day of salvation, that God is knocking on the door of your heart. And if you're watching online, He's knocking on your door too. Take that opportunity to pray with me, all right? Now, Guys of us who have had what I call my heart transplant, right? That Jesus came in and put his heart in us, we need to know that it's a brand new heart, but we need to know how to use it, how it works. And you can only do that if you will allow yourself to be discipled, to be disciplined in the faith, right? And so these things that I talked to you about, you know, being a growth track or being part of a small group, all these things are important for you to grab hold of, right? They're not just some program, some thing to enter you know entertain you or to make your day more busy but it's to prepare you what i'm doing today is to prepare you on this journey so that when it ends and you stand before the lord you're going to be able to hear well done good and faithful servant you accomplished your purpose you helped people with your life these are the things that you want to hear and so your next step is to become more involved wherever you're at step forward and uh, grow in your discipline now, here we go. I'm going to go back in prayer, and then we're going to come out, and we're going to do some baptisms, right? But this is a holy moment because I believe that God has some of you to step across the line. So everybody just bow your heads, and I'm going to close this part in prayer. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being here. I thank you for the encouragement, Father. Yeah, I see that. Sometimes, I must admit, Father, when I'm talking, I'm talking to people online, I don't even know who they are, if anybody's listening. But yet, Father, you know. You know every hair on every head of every person. And so today, Father, you have declared that it is the day of salvation, that today you want to have new relationships formed are calling people to yourself and so friends of those of you that are in the audience if that's you I'm going to lead you in a prayer I want you to tell me that that's you why because it declares to every uh, well every heads bow. It's not the people in this room it's the heavenly hosts that watch us they watch us and it's recorded in the uh, book of the father is what that is and so I want to encourage those of you that are in here to just slip up your hand so I can see I'm trying to look and see Put those down. Now, the people online, you're not off the hook either. I'm going to lead a prayer, and I want you to join me. And if you decide to, there's a button that you can hit there and let us know that you accepted Christ, or you can instant message us, and it'll come to us, and we'll be able to, to talk back with you on that particular matter. So while every head is bowed and all eyes are closed, those of you that wish to renew your relationship or start a brand new one, relationship with you. So the best way I know, yep, the best way I know how, I give you my life. I receive the gift of salvation that you have.